The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. Hey, everybody. <laughs> this is the winemakers. I'm sitting here with Sam Katuri. Hello, Sam. How are you today? How's it going, John? Great. Bart Hansen, and you, buddy? Good afternoon, John. And Mr. Brian Casey. Hi, John. Get those headphones on. and <laughs> This is, um, well, we missed missed uh bastille day i'm sorry about that uh, i know it was midweek <laughs> Viva la France. Uh, Viva uh, la yes. France. and so so we uh I, I decided to have a french experience today we got a little uh little brie and uh some pate and some uh, french wines and things like that more so. french wine than i've ever seen in your house and that's a good thing i damn near I, I really want to go online today while we're talking and order a couple of the chen bleu because it's, it's so, chen bleu. so chen easy bleu. so it's uh, ridiculous but um wow i was just saying to uh brian it looks like the season is almost over and that the there is order out of chaos but then i was quickly I know um, these guys are. They look at us like we're joking, but yeah, you know, I, say, John, mind. I was to say, you know, John, you really are just a consumer, aren't you? I am. <laughs> I am. Uh, it's, it's, when was the last time I was in a vineyard? I, I, with Sam. I, I went to a uh, Bastille Day party on Saturday, um, and with a hosted by the the proprietors of, of Bedrock Winery. Oh, nice and. Bedrock, uh, because of a, a few reasons. One, their vineyard sites, all the sort of old dry farmed vines and out in Contra Costa and some has to do with style. Um, they're like, they are at the point where it's like two weeks from harvest starting for them. Wow. Um, but for us in Sonoma Valley and on, you know, modern, modern vineyard infrastructure, um, top of the mountain, we're, we have a... We have a long way to go. You spent, I saw you on throwing out Instagram up at the top of uh, Moon Mountain District, Bart. And it's, it's, it's it, not close. Yeah, it's not close. <laughs> it's certainly not going to be a, um, an early harvest by any means, I don't think. You know, and, and it was amazing because that day we went from the top of Moon Mountain, um, looked at those grapes, and then came down to, you know, last year's property, which is up on the bench of the valley. And without a doubt, um, there's a, big difference in the timing and that's new for us because we haven't we just started farming the property on top of the hill and the valley floor is further ahead and the valley floor is further well, ahead, significantly that's further that's where ahead. bedrock is that's that whole valley floor well, yeah. well and, and where bedrock is yeah it's south of right. lassiter and I, from the time that i've been following vineyards that's always the first place for the, to break out for the leaves to have bud break um and it really it's a very much a banana belt for the valley is right there um, so, you know, it's kind of the center, it's the geographical center of the valley, yeah. really. It really is. Um, but it's also probably the warmest spot in the valley. Well, that's interesting because, well, it's out there in the middle of nothing, nowhere. You have no protection at all, no trees or anything. As I recall, driving through on Madrone there, um, yeah. but that's all I see. You know. It's it's the original Sonoma Valley Vineyard, and we've talked about this a little bit before. It's it's the original Sonoma Valley Vineyard, and 
when General Vallejo and you know Senator George Hurst, although I think it was before he was a senator, and and General Joe Hooker before he was a general, um, were planting that vineyard and finding that vineyard site, they picked the place where stuff grew the best. Um, you know where things started sooner in the spring, so that they wouldn't have to you know worry about uh, you know not making it to the end of the year before it started to rain and get cold again. Um, so it's definitely a spot that is ahead of most of the rest of the valley on the ripening curve. And then to, to compound that, um, you know, the bedrock sort of family of vineyards that they source from, you know, spreads out through Contra Costa County and the Delta and out to Lodi. And those places are um, weeks early, weeks ahead of us. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, Morgan posted a, a picture on Instagram the other day. And then I returned well, we fire had, this we morning. We had some of his uh, last uh, yeah. couple, of weeks, couple, of weeks, couple of weeks A ago. fully purple bunch of Zinfandel. Right. And and this morning, <laughs> I was at Muchas Piedras Vineyard, and I found one out of, you know, I didn't obviously walk the entire vineyard, but uh, I found one vine that had one couple of clusters uh, where a few berries were like, Trying just, just to trying. think about changing colors, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, there's a little bit of translucence. It's on. It's on my Instagram this morning. Uh, and and grapes to, with the and, view. And to con- contrast that is so last Thursday up at um, top of Moon Mountain, uh, there was nothing even nothing, close to nothing. being um, purple. And even down at the valley floor, there was nothing purple to be found. So it's funny from a um, consumer point of view. I would think it'd be the opposite that the upper upper ranges would get more sun uh, hotter but it it, it really doesn't it, 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 mostly it's about temperature yeah and changes and it's which is cooler on the top yeah. of the hills yeah. it doesn't get as hot and it um doesn't get as cold also um during the hot days but mm-hmm. um but but it it definitely is later you know it stays colder every day later there than it does down in the valley. So nobody's freaking out this year. We're not going to have an early harvest or anything like that. It just looks good. The, I mean, the, freaking out has is completely about how prepared you are for harvest. <laughs> we're always freaked out. <laughs> I mean, you know, if someone told me I had to, you know, bring in grapes in two weeks, um, You'd I, freak I, out. I'd be a little stressed. Yeah, I would, you know, cause there's a lot to do. Um, but my guess is that they've been ready for grapes probably, you know, for a week. Um, well, you know, they, they had just finished 10 days of bottling. Okay. Uh, and I'd finished two days. So I had some, I could, I could feel their pain a no. little bit. Uh, what, and what did you do? 16,600 yes. bottles. We, we didn't actually, well, we didn't quite, quite make cool. it. Well, After I posted that on, on the social medias, I got to the winery and found out that 300 cases or so were, weren't ready to bottle. So we didn't make it to the 16,600 yet, but we will in August. Uh, it's it's about we'll thirteen hundred. We'll give cases. you credit for okay. that now. Okay, right. Don't the, worry new, about the numbers that. were too good not to, <laughs> not <No>. to share. <laughs> it's perfect. You know what can you say? Like when you bottled the other day, what were you bottling? How much? Um, we bottled that day about six hundred cases for a Lassiter. Big difference, isn't there? Well, I mean, yeah, that's, what we, that's what we do a day. Yeah, I mean that we the line that we work with. Um, I think they can do about two thousand cases a day if necessary. Um, we just don't have that much to bottle. We're still a small winery, and this particular bottling was very small for us. So well, it's okay. You, it, I took. I mean, John, I'll put it this way: compared to, as Sam said, you know, Bedrock did how many days? Ten. Ten days of bottling. Um, you know, th- there were days 
at Kenwood when we would do the Sauvignon Blanc run where we'd do two weeks double shifts of Sauvignon Blanc of Sauvignon Blanc Holy and crap. then we'd do a second bottling you know a month and a half later or something wow. and you know so it's all relative you know how much space you have now the amazing thing is that the truck that pulls up to our winery um, could probably do twice as many cases a day as what the one at uh, last I mean at uh, Kenwood could back in the old days so mm. Well, the trucks, I mean, the the bottling technology that they figured out, and the, there's these trucks, and you see them drive all around Sonoma. Oh, absolutely. Pay attention. Yeah. Uh, it's an entire bottling line on the back of a semi, and it allows for small production wineries to exist in this way that they, they couldn't have 25 years ago or 30 years ago because they can pull up. You don't need to own any equipment, and it's it's relatively inexpensive. It's what less expensive than they fill, and and it's perfect in a day. A thousand cases are, are bottled, and that's you know my entire production for the year. Uh, and the, tr- and the trucks it, you know? are so efficient, and laid it's out crazy. so perfectly. Um, there's not a single square inch that's not used for something on it, as far as storage or organizational and. Um, they're really amazing, and the great thing about them is that when you're all done. They just pack it up they and they home. leave. Right. You and, don't have to yeah. do anything. Well, you don't have to do any maintenance. You don't have to do... I mean, bottling lines take up a lot of time. And usually, um, there's always a problem. And if you have a crew that works on it every single day, and they're constantly running it and maintaining it, then it always runs well. When you run you know, for four weeks, and then you shut it down for two months... And you go and turn the mm-hmm. key back on; it doesn't always start. So <laughs> just like um, an old car, just yeah. Like. <laughs> and then you know, technology has changed it a lot, also. Well, how many people? When you have a one of these trucks come to your come to your place, how many people show up with it? Is it just a driver? Uh, it, usually, a, dr- a driver who works inside, and then he has someone with him. Usually, you have one guy that runs the um, the filler and corker. Mm-hmm. And then someone that does the labels and the foils. So they will do the whole thing for you, or you got to get your hands dirty and get. Well, involved? no. So then, then there's a crew of about eight or nine other people that you have to supply. That, that that you have to supply, right? And we do it part from employees at the winery. Sometimes um, enterprise crew helps us, um, and then we have our own, you know, our own folks, which is me and Julia. And um, it's the the line runs fast enough that. I can't get off the forklift. Like right. if I get off the forklift to go check a tank, there's always a pallet waiting. So huh. I mean, it's it, I it runs really day. quick. I yeah. saw yeah. I saw you do that. Yeah, yeah. It was it's it. like seventy five bottles a minute. Yeah, I yeah. mean, you're talking huge stuff. You're talking five, six, seven, <laughs> eight cases a minute coming off this, and you have basically you have one person feeding bottles, you have a couple people filling boxes, and you have. Five people chasing boxes and stacking them, and then and, you have a and uh, you know it really is driver. yeah, and it really is. If you go to the I Love Lucy character that they love to use so many times in the wine business, the one about you know eating the chocolates on the assembly line. <laughs> right, right. I mean, it really is that. If you know the person that's putting the sticker on the outside of the bottle, are they sampling? Well, no. If their sticker gets stuck and that machine stops for a moment, it backs up all the way, and you have to turn off equipment so bottles aren't falling off. Um, and you know, and then everybody's got to collect their wits and start again. So, 
Um, smooth Jeez. is much better. <laughs> no, it's not some. I, I've seen one bottling, and it was in France, and the guys were bottling and slapping the labels on themselves. Doing it by that hand, was, yeah, filling ab- it up ab- with ab- the siphon hose. And- absolutely, that was it. And it was just uh, such a tiny little operation. <laughs> that was all for show. They had a whole operation <laughs> yeah, in the back. The trucks running in the back. Like, they got here got comes gone. the Americans. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling out the you. labels. I, I'm telling you. cigarette, quick. <laughs> Where's your beret? <laughs> Call Central Casting, man. I'm telling you, the best thing about bottling is being done with bottling. (laughs) The beer at the end of bottling is the best part of bottling. Well, that's a good thing, though. You know, and it's good that it's going this year. So when you go out and you're walking the fields now, you're seeing really good fruit. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of fruit out there. Um, it'll be a good year for the thinning crews. <laughs> it'll be a good year for the go. the ground will do well. Brian, what are you looking for, John? Well, I was looking for um, a taste of wine. Right. Uh, and I'm I just did the the GSM. No, I don't. I can't. I would recommend this. I have not tried that vintage. I had my eye on that. Start with the bazooka. That's a pretty good way to do. Yes. No, no, no. The 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 cab the fourteen cab is giant, and anything else that you have after it will pale in comparison. Okay. All right. This is. This is a uh, bottling line uh, booty right here. This one is? Yeah, that was just some, some Grenache uh, rosé that was left over. Oh, that's okay. Wait, uh, so a, th- a third rosé for... No, no, nothing. This, this, was, this was... Another this marketing was, decision. This was uh, Jeff Baker and uh, with steel... It's actually steel plow. Um, oh, so this is Stone Edge but stuff? This, this is Stone <clears throat> Edge. Okay. Well, it, Jeff's personal label is called Vulture. Vulture. Uh, oh. And... There was Jeff Cohn? Jeff Baker. Oh, yeah. And there was uh, about a half of a five-gallon bucket left after we drained the line. And we, in the middle of bottling, we threw some saran wrap over the bucket. And Yum. at the end of the day, bottled it and you know, throw some, threw some corks in it. So it's, it's not something that'll ever make it to public consumption. This was uh, something to give to the, you know, the crew working the bottling line at the uh, end of the day. Yeah, what is it? Like What, what varietal? It's Grenache. It's, it's Grenache. Grenache. It's Grenache. It's okay, it's nice. uh, well, it's GSM. I mean, it's Grenache Syrah Mavedra huh. from the steel plow. The lightest the blend okay, I've cool. ever had. I'll just say that. The, well, the lightest blend. No, it's rosé. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. It's, well, it's uh, the lightest wine I've ever had from Stone Edge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm used to drinking the. Well, this is in comparison to say the the rosé that Eric Bradley made for us. This is 100% Signet at the peak of ripeness uh, and. Creates very modern, dark uh, rosé as opposed to sort of the more classically minerally driven styled ones. I mean, yeah. it's that same thing. It's it's all about the Syrah. Mm-hmm. You know, if the Syrah's getting ripe, it's going to give you color and it's going to do it quick. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, and for that matter, ripe Mouvedre will do the same thing, right? And this was you know drained off of the, yeah. out of the the stemmer. Right. Yeah. Oh well, you're right off the top then, man. Nice. Yeah. Perfect, and it's it's a dark, but you know this is one of uh, forty eight bottles that were in existence, and given the crew that we had on the bottling line, I imagine half of those <laughs> were consumed this weekend. So good, it's yeah. not a lot of no, that's delicious, now, perfect no, for today. Um, do you have all this on an iPad that you can pass around so we can choose a wine today, like um, like you do at the restaurant? <laughs> uh, no, I know we we do have sort of a a motley selection of uh, bottles today. Well, we, we, yeah, we don't want to do the the cab until later. Yeah, I think. F- Although I did do an, the second of the last Severson. 
The second so to last Severson. So I have one left. The of the big bottles or yeah, the the big bottles. Okay. I, I, yeah. I don't know if like, I have any. Like I said, John, you're a consumer. That's why we love you so yes. much. Well, keep awesome. Keep drinking. That's actually it, what I did it, on the bottling line. Made magnums and then put your name on them, John. It's Just initial. <laughs> don't share this with anybody. <laughs> so I'm not. I'm not sure when I'm going to get it uh, consumed. So, but I'm interested in you know in hearing. Opinions because these are all just mid-priced fifteen-dollar French wines, you know. And you know with the markup, what you know, what you know the yeah. the uh, dollar uh, markup behind things and what they're doing with them, etc. And you know, look, they're none of them are going to blow you away completely. But are they a decent bottle of wine? Well, yeah. You know, I mean, here's the thing. This is why you love going to wine shops or grocery stores that you don't know yes. or that even that you do and when they change the wines around um and you know it's the affordable uh, wines other than everything you know already and well that's uh, right sonoma market um does a good job of changing it up every couple months and bring in some new wines that are all you know very reasonably priced and uh well, oliver's does the same thing yeah. I th- you know i think they're out of uh, i did not see your wine i looked for a bottle the other day honestly and w- instead, I got a bottle of Grichetto, this Italian white that I'd never heard of. So they're, they're doing the same thing. They hey, put some odd stuff in there. It's fun. I did have a Zen at uh, Red Grape Bar, so don't feel so bad. We did have that. Oh, good. John. Yeah. Sorry, well, we didn't mention that we started. Okay? Uh, beautiful. We started with the school, Scholium, Scholium Project. Scholium Project. Yeah, well, let's uh, be, talk before about we went on air, this. we sort of poured a little bit, um, uh, and Bart brought that, so maybe he wants to talk a little bit about exactly what that um, is. You there. know, I think wow. this wine, uh, I don't really remember how uh, I came by it. It was um, from a wine shop over in Napa called Backroom Wines. Um, shout out to Sean Nelson. I don't know if he listens, but he should. Yeah. Mm. Um, uh, you know, it's apparently it's Gewürztraminer. Um, I believe it's a wine that had a lot of skin contact. I don't know that they actually treaded it or if they just let it sitting on the skins for an extended time Probably. or fermented it on the skins. Um, it certainly isn't um, typical Gewürztraminer. It's certainly no, no, um, no definitely. You know. <laughs> well, it's, for as much skin contact as it sounds like it, it's not super orange either. No, I mean, it's, it's not, not as orange. Like, when I think of, you know, it's some, more of some. Uh, it looks like a cab, or a, you know, like a like a cab. <laughs> it looks like a Chardonnay. Chardonnay kind of, yeah, you know, yeah. it's kind of golden Chardonnay. Right. And, um, maybe even going into you know some Chenin Blancs, kind of get that golden color. Um, it's got a lot of texture to it. It's, it's very what you know I describe as phenolic. Um, it's also from nineteen oh two thousand nine two thousand nine. <clears throat> so it's got a few years on it. Um, you know, it's, uh, I, I, I like, I think it has its place. And I think because we were having cheese and the, and John put out some cheese and salami, I think it's perfect with that kind of food. Usually when I deal with wines that are, and if anyone doesn't know about orange wines, it's generally ones that have seen, um, skin contact, white wines. Some people think orange wines are ones that have, that are oxidized. I don't know how that sort of came about is that, um, it, a lot of people thought that orange wines were wines that they just, they were oxidized and that's why they had that color and that flavor to them. Um, but yeah, I've never had one that was this light before, but I like them. With, I don't, I wouldn't drink a glass of it. Um, but with certain foods, I like, um, that style of wine and generally it's cheese cause it's that, that like that funky, um, smell and taste that I like on cheese. You, you know, there's, the yeah, wine. I mean, there's no doubt in the past 
five or six years, there's been a real trend to try to do something different than everybody else is doing. Um, you know, that's the whole pet nat ra- rage and uh, skin cool. con, ca- just cool, <laughs> ca- uh, skin <laughs> talk to- or skin contact whites. And, you know, yeah. this was of that era and the winemaker likes to experiment with stuff and, and, and do some stuff. It's, um, you know, is it ever going to be a large segment? Definitely no, not. You know, <laughs> and this was an um, 09, you said? Uh, this is an 09. So it's been sitting around a little while. But, you know, these wines, they get, you know, the, the nerds love to talk about them. The Psalms love to talk them up and stuff. Well, I think Kielstad's still doing. They do one every year. They do an They do wine. skin yeah. contact wine. And, yeah. and Scholium Project, Scholium Project, uh, mm-hmm. is n- nerds wine uh, with all, with, 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 you know, all due respect and, and uh, affinity for nerds. Um, you know, Abe, the, the winemaker, is a history professor uh, who, who found winemaking and as sort of a, a intellectual pursuit uh, as, you know, did I say history? Philosophy professor. So, you know, he's, he's a he's philosophical approach to wine uh, as opposed to, um, you know, maybe from, from another direction. Practicality. And, <laughs> practicality, right. Bodily. Drinkability. Skin yeah. contact. Scientific. Converts your meter in 500 milliliters. is not something that, like, a sales department would ever say, yeah, that's a great idea. Um, but, but, you know, I mean, yeah. the fact is, is that he's passionate about it. Right. And, and, you know, I mean, I, I, I wish I had the time and the, and the ability to do some of the things that he does. Um, you would look good in a scarf. <laughs> you he's, know, well, he's far, well. he's far uh, better spoken than I am, obviously. Um, I, I, I hope your project would turn out a little bit better than this. I, I mean, I don't know that this... I, but see, that's just it, John. I, I don't think... There, there's nothing wrong with how this turned out. This is, quite frankly, probably exactly what he wanted. It's just not the style of Absolutely. wine that you like. It's well I like made. It. It's well made. So like there's it. nothing defective about it whatsoever. It's just not for you. And that's yeah. the beautiful thing about wine, as I always say. I, if you don't care for one of my wines, I'm good with that. Someone John, else John, wait till you wait till you try this one. Wait till you try this one because we'll get a red that's been done in a different style that maybe you're gonna say. What well, you the know what? Heck is that? This is what it's all about, and that's right. learning. Because I I wasn't saying it was defective in some fashion, but but I sure as hell didn't like the taste. Yeah. It was right. just not for me at right. all. And I kind of got that look from Sam to a little bit too. You know, it's just it just is not what I expected out of it. It's so it's not where I would put my wine buying dollars, uh, except for as. Someone uh, else paid uh, for this one. Right. Let me get this. <laughs> First, <let's> get this <laughs> as, an, as an intellectual pursuit, and I do this, I'll buy wines that I don't necessarily think I will like at a purely hedonistic level, but um, for, as a as an industry professional and as a curious person, I I buy them, I open them, I share them, and you know I want to see I want to see what I think, I want to see what other people's reactions are that you know might not have some of the the you know, prejudices built up that I do, um, based on, you know, what I know of style and, and things like that. And from that standpoint, like I said, it's, this is well-made. Um, and then another thing it, to remember here is, sorry, Sam, yeah, go ahead. yeah, is that, you know, skin contact on white wines isn't, I mean, it's something that was the norm for years. It's only been in the past 15 to 20 years that it's been all about where everybody says they whole cluster press white wines, Right. Usually what you did is you crushed the grapes, they went through the destemmer, they got crushed, they got pumped through a pipe 250 feet to a holding tank where it sat on the skins until you waited for the press to empty. 
And so all wines kind of got some part of, not all white wines, but a lot of white wines got some skin contact. And then people decided, and the trend went to, well, hey, this whole cluster where you bring the grapes in, you keep them whole, and then you squeeze the juice out of them, that made a, at the time, more stylistic wine that people liked that much more. So we got away from skin contact. So... Well, that's a good thing. Then. It's just for, again, it's know, a for, style. It's a for, trend for my taste, anyway. So, yeah. well, mm. you know, you've ta- you've now. I brought three. Has everybody tried? I, I started a- with any the Gerard these? Bertrand, um, which I actually was Thoughts? reading about this producer this morning um, in regards to something we've talked about here before, which is the uh, the wine, the vino terrorists uh, in the south of France. Yes, uh, a little attacking, civil war. Attacking, you know, Spanish bulk wine and things like that. And Gerard Bertrand is, is a producer that uh, is fighting that in a different way, and which is um, m- growing better grapes, making better wine, and bringing into the marketplace, uh, you know, it's still inexpensive, but it's not co-op wine. And that's right. how that's how that producer is, is staying alive and expanding and you know, buying land and keeping vineyards alive. So it is interesting that you, you brought this in. This is, you know, they're part of those efforts to, to fight the, de- you know, the commodification of, of Langendock wine production. Um, so, you know, and it's for $15 at Sonoma right. Market. It's better than things that I know you like to buy in that same price point at Sonoma Market and <laughs> I give you shit about all the time. So, Absolutely. Um, I'm, I, I, I've never seen... Uh, Anything that says enjoy at sixty degrees with game, duck, and wild mushrooms. Uh, you know what? Th- that wine to <laughs> me. Even La France. <laughs> that says picnic. That that wine I would bring to a picnic. Like it just seems like it would go with everything. It's delicious. Drink it on a nice, you know, even a hot day, a cool day. Yeah. yeah. Balance, not not crazy complex. Oh. But just, oh but what was the last uh, the the chugability? Chugability. This, this is, this oh, is, the chugability. <laughs> it's pretty high on here. Yeah. It's pretty no, high, no. especially if you chill it down a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, now we're getting actual good words coming out of this. Chuggability and patio pounder are two that have come out of the show that have just been perfect. So, you know, and once again, my going in and looking around and talking to, you know, in some in a somewhat hostile environment, you know, I mean, they know what I like, and it's pretty much never been what they've recommended to me. It's always been what I've found, and I. This thought, is it. This is it. In the wine aisle at Sonoma yes, Market. Who is. are you talking to? Just people standing in the aisle. No, I'm talking to them. You know who? And, <laughs> and he's just. I've just never had anything recommended that I was really shot with. I mean, I can go through. I can find. I. I was. These are better than normal. Today, I mean, I did a better job anyway. So, but, but I was there for cheese anyway. But I got the wine. So. But a cold, yeah, that's the kind of wine buyer we all want. Right. Those right. with the cheese, leaves with wine. Right. Exactly. Well, they put them real close to each other, yeah. too. They have that you one don't have to out. wander too far in the store. <laughs> you turn the corner. Well, mm. not too shabby on the second one, either, of course. I like that. I think, I think I've actually had this before. I've had, I've, I feel the, like... The Gigandos? Where did we? I've had this before, also. I know that label, yeah. and I don't know yeah. where. But uh, it's, it's Gigandos, and then, you know, Gigandos is a uh, high, ele- high elevation... You know, Southern Rhone. Uh, so it's a Grenache based blend. Right. But Absolutely. you get that. It, Grenache Syrah. It's, yes, uh, it's up in the mountains, super rocky. And that comes through. 
Yeah. And you get that parliament, that funkadelic, a little bit of that French funk. Going yeah, on. I mean, there's it's definitely a little more old world, and oh, yeah. um, it's got some funk, you know. And then yeah. it's always the matter of, you know, the percentage of Syrah, how it affects the Grenache. And God, I mean, we talk about small batch producers, 50,000 bottles, 35 acres. Average age of the vines, 40 years. Grapes were handpicked and selected. Aged in oak for what, 14 months. How much months. did you pay for that? 15. <laughs> Smoking deal. I think I might go get a couple oh, bottles yeah. after yeah, that. Seriously. Not at all. I'd like to steal one out of, I mean, not steal, buy one out of Sonoma Market and then lay it down for a while. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's a... Sure as hell not bad. Because, yeah, I mean, six is for, for entry-level Gigandas uh, that's got... It's got life to it. Yeah, it's got. It's yeah. got a. Yeah, I think in a few years in the cellar, that a little bit of that funk will mellow, and and you'll get instead of just funk, you'll get funky fruit. Yep, because uh, it, it's got a real nice texture and mm-hmm, finish on, mm-hmm. on it. Yeah, it's nice wine. Fifteen dollars. It's a good one, John. Those bastards. How can they make that wine and sell it for fifteen dollars? I, we could never do that here. We could never do that here. But how do they do it? And then? they. I mean, they and had to it, send it here. Yeah, right. And they had to send it here. Right. Uh, basically, <laughs> it's it's a function of the classification system. And the the best barrels go into the the higher end blends and cuvées and bottlings, and they actually you know which we in, can't buy here. Which we can't buy here. You can sneak home in your suitcase when you go right. there next year, John. Um, and and then sort of goes on from that. And then at some point, there's barrels that they have to give to the government that becomes cognac and and the whole deal. So within that within that structure. Um, you know, allows for an economic system that they can make entry level fifteen dollar wine. I mean, like that. It was fifteen dollars at Sonoma Market, meaning Sonoma Market paid seven at the, at the most ten. Ten, okay. Uh, and which means the importer distributor probably paid six or seven, which means so you got you know, a three dollar bottle of wine there uh, that they can put out the door at three bucks. Yeah, they're. I mean, you know, you're. Cork bottle, bottles, wine, everything, no, no. three bucks. Pretty much. <laughs> well, you know the uh, mathematics of it. and I'm learning. <laughs> it's a, it's a, when yeah. you're in the wine, it's an everyday, uh, it's say, an everyday process. Well, land, yeah. land, right? I mean, if you talk about people that have had land for generations. They don't have to pay for it. Yeah, it's yeah. paid for. That helps, too. Yeah. Well, and it's somehow I think it's probably a little bit easier to do business in that part of France than this part of California. You know, as far as right. just running a business in general, and there's definitely there's definitely a, a lot of factors that go into this being at fifteen dollars, and I mean, yeah, and Brian's fact about uh, you know land not having to buy it, and and uh, what's your payment on the land over you know someplace in Napa at, at a million dollars an acre if you could find one, you know, et cetera. Uh, no, it's it's not going to go for there. Well, and, and that forces. You know the land values around here is one of the things that that forces um, you know some of the the I hate to use monotony but I guess it's the word that's coming to mind of of big California cab because you can sell it at the highest price and it's the only thing that um, really can justify the land and and the labor prices um, you, you have to have those cabs to to make the economics of you know the Northern California wine business work. It, unless you have Pinot that's in that range. I mean, High-end Pinot and then yeah. oaked out Chard. And that's, right. what, that's what paid the bills. Right. Yeah, the other stuff kind of... And that's why Sonoma's so great, because we get to do a lot of other stuff. Yeah. When w- my first trip to France, I traveled with a group of p- friends, and at the time I was single, 
and we joked the whole time that I was looking to meet a young lady that family had 15 hectares and no older brothers. <laughs> there you go. And that was going to be my way to get into the French. <laughs> Never quite worked out that We've got a friend who uh, married a woman who, folks, had a rose ranch, a rose uh, farm uh, down southern France. And that's all they did was grow flowers. <laughs> Beautiful. You know, and, and means they're in a non-classified uh, part of the part Absol- of the land. Absolutely, you, you know, you know again, I mean, the economics of it. Yeah, you know, it's right in the middle of France, and it's just acres of, of flowers and it must be freaking beautiful. It is yeah. absolutely beautiful. Made all their money on Valentine's Day. The rest of the right. year, they just sat around, <laughs> counted it all. What yeah. is French Valentine's Day? <laughs> and like? it just keeps growing. <laughs> you know, you really don't have to do a whole lot either. So, <laughs> roses are roses all the time. That's man, right. So, well. That's that. So it turns out that these are pretty good, and uh, we'll we'll now. How did you pronounce Gigondas? Gigondas. 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 Okay, I'll remember that. Okay, and it's it's you'll see if you see pictures from the Southern Rhone, and there's like these sort of spiky white stone capped mountains. They're to the just barely north, but mostly east of Chateauneuf de Pop. Okay, that's where that's where Gigondas is, and so again, it's it's at elevation in a way oh, that, that a lot of the Rhone Valley is not. Yeah, is how does that compare here? I mean, because we're at valley floor here, right? I mean, zero elevation wise, it's probably pretty similar. You know, valley floor there, valley floor here. Um, I think the Gigondas vineyards are a few hundred meters, right? So they're yeah. kind of like the Moon Mountain District. Um, you know. 500 to 1,000 feet elevation. And that's perfect. Yeah, that's yeah. A great, it's a great place to Yeah, I mean, it's. it's it, I don't grow. think you can necessarily compare it to here. Um, I mean, there are some... Way s- different rocks. Yeah, way different rocks <laughs> and different placed on, you know, as far as distance, uh, you know, longitude, latitude and stuff. So, um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's in the hills. It's off the valley floor. So it cools down at night a little bit. And so you're saying different rocks, Sam. Yeah, well, you know, in France, they have, they have limestone and they have schist and, and things that, certainly in the Moon Mountain District, we don't have. We do have, not have, lim- we have limestone we have, here, no. We have volcanic stone. Right. Um, go, to, go to Indiana. They have, they have a lot of limestone in Indiana. You know, right, but places how, like that. what kind of vineyards they got in Indiana? None. Yeah, exactly. None. None. <laughs> the Cutters, you reminded me of that movie. It's exactly breaking it. away. The little, breaking the, away. The little 500. The cutters. Yeah. Well, you know, today, in the stone today, mill. today is an off day at the Tour de France, also, by the way. I was uh, uh, checking on that when I uh, came in this is morning. That how so. we got, is that how we got Bart's attention today? Yes. No, come on. I, <laughs> I just. I just record it and watch it at night after okay. everybody's going okay. to bed. How are they doing? With a bottle of red wine. Well, we were talking about, you know, just stay out of those crowds. You were, you were, you know, when we were talking last week, you said, just don't ride with those guys. It's getting tough. They're getting mean. They're a different class of, of riders. And stay unless you want to go down, stay away from them. Well, gotta, it's all about confidence. Confidence, confidence and, and bullying, yeah. You know, oh, I mean, John! Somebody who's got the reputation. Well, you, you full, said full contact cycling. Is, <laughs> is that it? Well, John, this is a guy who loves who loves auto racing. Where these guys are, they're doing two hundred, doing <laughs> right? what he's complaining about. These guys are doing it forty miles an hour. Contact yeah, sport. They're wrapped in. Yeah. Aluminum and uh, yeah, they only fly seven hundred feet through the air into a chain link fence, <laughs> right? Hey, it's fuel, yeah. it's rubbing, Bart. It's <laughs> part of racing. You, got, you gotta love when you know when you're on fire. He's you're on fire. Rubbin's racing, Bart. 
<laughs> well, not to get you off of that, but nonetheless, it was a great race from, uh, uh, you know, the, the Formula One, man, these guys who are driving 220 miles an hour, et cetera, in these beautiful Ferraris and Mercedes just turned me on. That's to, it. To go further down the race car thing, I heard a great NPR piece about uh, Formula E. Oh, the we electric, about the, electric the cars. The electric cars. And uh, how, totally cool, And man. how all of these, the, the car companies are looking to it for two oh, things. Yeah. One is research, but also it's like the greatest marketing ever uh, yep. that you could possibly have. You have an electric car just smoking around. Well, not smoking. Oh, they uh, are. They, they are fast. Whirring. Faster than anything else on, 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 on face of the earth. 100% torque at the moment oh, yeah. you press the gas or... And uh, and they do it around. For instance, they just they did it around um, uh, near the Eiffel Tower. Yeah, they do it in the middle of cities. In this, yeah, yeah. and they just uh, they did Berlin, et cetera. And it's very, it's kind of you know like a safe version, but uh, boy, it's really coming off, yeah. yeah. And a lot quieter, right? Well, it is. A, uh, unfortunately, that's a little disappointing. But you know, did you ever have one of those things you put on your bicycle that made noise? Uh, so. Some baseball cards. Yeah, well, yeah. beyond the baseball Ace of cards. Yeah. <laughs> the, the baseball cards that could have put Dane through college. Absolutely. <laughs> I hate to think about that, man. So, anyway. All right, guys. Well, hey, listen. Um, I'm glad we got through the French end of our um, show, and that's a good thing. Everybody, uh, so we did come up with one good winner, and uh, we want to then move on, and then, and then we did... Your shiner also, which my, was actually my beautiful. rosé that doesn't exist. It, I love it. What you have in your glass isn't really there, John. It's not? <laughs> it's not really there. Well, then I'm going to have mirage. some mirage. <laughs> anyway. Um, so I'm hoping maybe next week Sam will bring some uh, Sauvignon Blancs for us to taste. Oh. Okay. I think we can uh, and then, get a um, little soft Blanc tasting. Can we just mention, because I think by the time this is on, there might mm. still be time to get tickets for yes. uh, the dinner at Sante. There's a dinner at Sante. Uh, Basically, I, I do very few 16600 wine dinners. This is true. Uh, this will be the third one in Sonoma. We did one with the girl in the fig. We did one at the Harvest Moon. Now we're doing one at Sante at the Fairmont, yep. where Brian is uh, one of the sommeliers. And a sommelier server. I don't know what I'll be doing that night. I might not even be working. Now, well, if you're not working, <laughs> I'll put you on the guest list. Uh, there you go. We're doing rosé. We're doing Sauve Blanc. We're doing uh, 2014 Oakville Ranch Grenache. Uh, Sante is the only restaurant in the world that has any of that. Yep. Uh, and then we're doing 2014 uh, Simon's Cabernet, which we'll uh, play with a little nice. bit here later. And then uh, two Zinfandels, 14 and 10 Estate Zinfandel. God, and the know? menu is amazing. It's on the website. Yeah. Uh, do you know the menu, Brian? No, I was going to ask Chef Kane the other day. Um, but he's always distracted. That guy is a machine in the what? kitchen. He, I would um, not. I, I've only seen him in the tasting room, and he's like as relaxed as he could ever be, and right. he's hanging out, and he's still like chef mode all yeah, the time. I think I've, stoic. We've I stoic. Probably never know. <laughs> we've probably exchanged three words, and I've worked there for about four months. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm, you know, pretty high on like emotional intelligence, trying to read people, and I'm, I have no idea. I, I, I think he likes me. He sent me a really nice email, but when you. Uh, He's just like it's total deadpan stoicism all the right. time, which is you know he could probably he probably burns his hands and you That's don't know him. for a week later he's get that kind of that kind of chef. He's he's pretty awesome. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's uh, August sixteenth is the day. If I'm not yes, uh, August sixteenth. It's a it's a Wednesday night. No. And you call Sante to uh, make a reservation here. I got them pulling up the. Uh, 
You're good time. right now. So you got, got time. Don't uh, worry about it. I mean, it. most chefs have asbestos hands anyway, usually, Yeah, right? exactly, exactly. Yeah, I can't even imagine doing it the way those guys do it. It's so crazy. Yeah. I mean, I've, I, I've been through the kitchen, but I wouldn't want to work there. No. No, thanks. Oh, you don't want to work in our kitchen. I can tell you that. (laughs) No kitchens at all. We put out room service, the bar, and sante food all out of the same, basically out of this, off the same line. Absolute mayhem in there. So, I mean, you're calling out mac and cheese and kids' chicken tenders, and then you're doing the Wagyu at the same time. I mean, it's insane. (laughs) It's complete insanity. Um, and they, yeah, you got to be on point to be Uh, in that kitchen. Yeah, I'll bet. Now I know why my uh, um, room service takes so long. They're doing some kids. And tastes oh, so room. freaking good, right? Yeah. It's gotta be. <laughs> hey, I, I'm telling you, we, we used to love, uh, well, it was PKs back then. or P, It was definitely a different name than Sante, but this is also oh. also 10, 12 years ago. Right. And I just, uh, just remember getting PKs, a rack of lamb recipe, which I still have and I still make. Wow. From, and, you know, a chef nice enough to actually give you the recipe. That's really well done. I really appreciate it. I bet he left out one of the ingredients. Yeah, something like some, the, the lamb. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not quite that obvious, John. <laughs> so, what, did you All find right, it? So yeah, here's here's speaking the menu. Of, the, speaking uh, of lamb, can, exactly the canapé reception, which is when we'll be serving the rosé. He's going to do forest mushroom cigars, which I, I rolled I rolled nice. yeah. shrooms uh, with fine herb aioli, a spiced Sonoma foie gras mousse. Mm-hmm. Uh, served in pate profiterole, uh, oh. main lobster and herb remoulade with yep. cucumber volvant. Oh, yep, cucumber and volvant. Yep. volvant. And that's with the rosé. And then first course is the sal- uh, salad of marinated heirloom tomatoes from the patch, compressed summer melons, burrata, basil pistou, and a shallot Ew. vinaigrette. And that's going to go oh, with the, yeah. the Sauve Blanc. Uh, the second Ooh, course yeah. is, or I guess the third course after the reception and the salad, is a pan-seared diver's diver scallop, oh, yeah. saffron-infused pearl pasta paella yep. with mussels, manila clams, fennel, and peppers, chorizo, chorizo yep. and a lobster uh, oh, bordelaise. And that's with the grenache. Yep. Uh, and then okay. roasted rack of lamb with a spiced tomato there curry, there romano beans, Jimmy Nardello peppers, chickpea panisse, and that's with the... 10 and 14 estate Zinfandel. And then we're going, I, I like this Cabernet for dessert, the 14 uh, Simon's Cabernet with a cheese plate uh, yeah. and, and wine poached, uh, wine poached pears for dessert. Nice. Yeah. And that, and you call uh, 707-939-2407 to make a reservation. This is so you call Sante, and make a reservation at, at the S-A-N-T-E. Yeah. You're in Sonoma. Right so here you, at the Fairmont. You can call from anywhere in the world and get a reservation. Yeah, don't ask for me, though. Taste yeah. all of Sam's Brian's trying to get the night off so he can come get the food. <laughs> don't ask for me. So he can be a guest. <laughs> so, All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh, this was episode 13. So, hey, we're getting up there. Lucky 13. Lucky 13. And um, again, Sam, thanks for being here. Always. And from... Winery 16600. Oh, yeah. Plug 16, the winery. Yeah, you're supposed to do that. Winery16600.com or uh, come see us at the tasting room. Like, we've had friends uh, from, from Shanghai. Yes. I've had a buddy from Lodi who has a vineyard in Lodi is listen, listening to the podcast. So, people are listening and, and showing up, and we love that. People Lodi are rolls. listening and having fun listening. Right. That's that helps. the biggest part of it. So, Bart, what's uh, what do you got going this afternoon, buddy? 
Uh, you know, Dane's just back from summer camp, and uh, he's uh, having fun with a friend. Okay. So I'm back at the winery. Um, okay. Looking at the Chenin Blanc, getting ready to bottle it here in a couple uh, weeks. I know how Brian will be happy about that. Yeah, he's going to be extremely I happy. I can't wait to stop talking about it and start drinking it. <laughs> I know. Me too. I wish you'd quit talking about it. Yeah, you can uh, walk around with a It's pa- sold, a by pa- the way. It's all sold. Bag. <laughs> it's Chenin Blanc. And Maybe we should get uh, Brian on the bottling crew. Oh. oh. Hey, Talk about loss. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Do you need fingers in order to uh, open bottles of wine? <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks well, wait, for listening. Can I give a teaser yes, for the next can, show? Please. So, um, on the next show, I'm going to open up some wine from uh, Argentina and Portugal. And I'm curious to ask Bart and Sam why they have never used screw caps. So that's a little teaser there for All you. Right. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. This has been The Winemakers. I'm John Myers. So take care. See you next week. The preceding was a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Find our other great shows on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at radiomisfits.com. Thank you. Thank you.